Today, 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 everything changes for you. There is absolutely nothing any of us can do to change our past. But please know that your decision to join us in the purity of our praise unto God today definitely changes your future. St. Peter United decrees that you are worthy, you are loved, you are accepted, and you have a purpose. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Please use whatever version is most comfortable for you. John chapter 20, starting at verse 1. John 20, verse 1. Scripture says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings laying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came and followed him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings laying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not laying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples, the men, the disciples, returned to their homes. But Mary, <laughs> but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Buster, knucklehead, I got something for you. Where have you carried him? Tell me where have you laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbunai, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, don't touch me yet because I have not yet ascended the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God, your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he said these things to her. Today's message is, Spread the word. Spread the word. Let us pray. Gracious God, give us the eye of the eagle. Help us to see into all of our hopes, joys, fears, and sorrows. 
Weave our hands to the gospel plow, plow and tie all of our tongues to truth. Let us hear from you the still speaking, ever living God in our midst. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Mary Magdalene is one of those people. You know those people. They're persistent. They are consistent. They show up, not 15 minutes early, but 30 minutes early, just in case something might go wrong. They are the people, when you call, they answer. When you text, they respond, they don't leave you on red. When you need them, they show up in your grief, in your sorrow. They are there in your joy. They are there. Mary is one of those types of people. Mary shows up at the tomb looking for Jesus. And when she did not find what she was looking for, she stayed there until she was able to get an answer. For many years, we have been told a lot of different things about Mary. Mostly, we've been told that she showed up at that tomb because she was going there to grieve and to take care of the body and to do all of the things you do after a loved one has passed away in the ancient Near East. She was going there to do all of those rituals and all of those things. Gary, is that you with that hat on? <laughs> Sorry, squirrel. Squirrel, sorry. I didn't take the right pill this morning, I don't think. So, Mary, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. I like it. It's good. It's cute. It's cute. You're doing it. You're working it. W-E-R-K, working it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> so, Mary, <laughs> Lord Jesus, Mary... Mary goes to the tomb, and we think that, you know, we fall into this idea that she's going there to grieve, going there to grieve. But a guy by the name of Warren Carter in Matthew on the Margins, he wrote this. He said, the women have followed Jesus from Galilee. They have had numerous opportunities, direct and indirect, to hear his teachings that he must die and be raised. They have finally witnessed his accurate teachings about his crucifixion and burial. They come awaiting his resurrection. This is something that I have not heard before. Mary possibly was headed to the tomb to meet Jesus. She believed when he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. 
We hadn't been taught this kind of faith that even through all of the crucifixion and the death that quite possibly Mary, the women, y'all know, come, come on now, you know, I'm a pastor, but you know, we, you know, churches and men and leaders, they dog women out all the time, but if it hadn't been for the women, the church was, churches would be closed. They don't, they, don't want, they don't want the women to preach. They don't want the women to teach. But my Bible says Mary was the first one to proclaim the gospel. I just read that Mary went and told them that Jesus was alive. Meanwhile, today, we want to say, sit down, women. Do this, women. You can't do that. But Mary was the first evangelist. Mary was the first prophet. Mary was the first teacher. Mary was the first one to see Jesus because she believed. We want to turn the story into a sad little story and say Mary was going to, you know, just put all on the body. And the, no, 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 no. I believe Mary went because she was thinking, where is it? It's been three days. It's been three days. Where you at? Let me find them. You move, you, who moved my cheese? Ain't that a book? Who moved the cheese? Mary said, who moved the body? Because he's supposed to be here. Mary went believing that she would see Jesus. And I also think she was still sad. She was still sad about what happened. She was still torn up inside because of what happened. She saw him crucified. She saw him die on the cross. She saw what happened. She went and was still sad. It is possible to feel and believe two things at the same time. Mary went to the tomb believing and grieving. She was broken up by what happened. She was still feeling that, what's the phases? The denial, the anger, and the bargaining, and the depression, and the acceptance. Yet, she still went because she believed. Life can tear you up and wear you out and cause you to lose your mind. But you can still believe. You can still be in grief and anger and deny. You can still be, uh-oh, I'm about to get in trouble now. You can still be mad at God and believe. You can still be disappointed that your loved one has died and believe. You can still get the wrong diagnosis, what you don't want, and still believe. <laughs> you can go through all of the heartache and the heartbreaks and the upsets and heart attacks, but still believe. Mary is there believing. You see, the challenge that we have is that we've, many of us have been taught the wrong theology. We, 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 um, 
ah, I don't want to use these words because it might trigger somebody, but, but we, 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 um, we have not deconstructed, and, and my colleague Shelley put it, we have not decolonized our faith. What do I mean? What do I mean? I shared this last night with a dear friend. We haven't decolonized our faith. We think Massa is going to give us everything we ask for. We think Massa, because we tithe and offering and fast and wear dresses and no makeup and don't cuss, don't lie, don't drink, don't drug, we think because if we do everything just right, Massa go answer us when we call on Massa. But when Massa don't show up after your loved one die, your face is toe up. When Massa don't help you to understand your spouse, your face is toe up. When Massa causes you to lose things, you are upset. So instead of believing, we start blaming God for everything that happened. You see, God, if it's all possible, can be blamed for everything that's horrible. That's because we've been taught a colonized faith. A master kind of faith, a master-slave kind of relationship, and we don't even realize we're in a toxic relationship with God until the words come out of your mouth, God then failed me again. I can't stand a Burger King theology and a dollar menu faith. You can't always get it your way right away all the time at the cheapest price possible. Life is going to tear you up. Life is going to wear you out. You might have to see your Savior crucified on the cross and wait for resurrection to come later. Everything ain't going to turn out the way you want it to turn out all the time. Just right, just perfect, just nice, just pretty, just clean, just neat. No! It's going to tear you up. But if you believe, you shall stand, you shall stand and see the victory if you, if you believe, believe. Jesus, Jesus, Marcus Borg, Marcus Borg, great biblical theologian, biblical scholar. He says what the resurrection meant to these early people was a proclamation that Jesus lives and that Jesus is Lord. Monica Coleman put it this way. She said, God can transform everything into something valuable. God can transform everything into something valuable. I tweeted yesterday and posted yesterday. Today we celebrate God's cosmic F you. I know there's children here, so I'll have to use that term. To a tyrannical state. We now view it as personal faith. But to say Jesus lives and Jesus is Lord is a political statement. Are there any historians in the house? Any historians in the house? Who was, who was called Lord and Savior in Jesus' day? Caesar. Uh-oh, I'm about to upset some folks. Caesar was called Lord and Savior in Jesus' time. You see, we, we think Jesus is Lord is about something like we go escape hell and, you know, get out of hell free card or something. But when, when, when it was written, Jesus is Lord was a political statement. 
In other words, Caesar is not Lord. The government that wants to take away your bodily autonomy today is not Lord. The government that wants to only have freedoms for certain people and not freedoms for other people is not Lord. The government that wants to deny women their reproductive health and justice is not Lord. The government that wants to take away people's right to vote is not Lord. Ain't no governor and no president nowhere Lord. Jesus is Lord. It was a political statement. And for some reason today, I don't understand how the most religious people want to deny other folks their freedoms. How dare you try to put your behind in the seat of Caesar? It's in the good book. It's in the history book. I don't have to make it up. So, to say Jesus is Lord, and then to say he lived, oh, come on. Come on. If a criminal was on death row today, and somebody killed, and they killed him, and then someone went around saying he lived, what will that do to people? Abbott would lose his mind if we electrocuted somebody, and the next day we said they were still alive. I'm just making it plain. This is the truth. So the resurrection is a political statement that can't no power, no grave, nowhere stop God's love, life, and freedom for us. There is nothing that can stop it. Jesus lives, and Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, that proclamation that nothing has power over you. In the book, The Passion, written by Stephen Patterson, another great theologian, he said that believing in Jesus' resurrection was not so much about if it was bodily or spiritual. Or, it was more about, are you willing to give your life and yourself over to the enduring reality that God is love, God is justice, God is peace, God is hope, God is freedom, not just for you, but for everybody. And so to believe in the resurrection is to help move you towards that reality and for you to work towards making that fact a reality in every single time and place and generation. These early followers of Jesus, <laughs> these early followers of Jesus were quite a mess. We have historical records, and this is kind of why the Bible came to be. Now, I'm upset some more people again. Um, we have historical records, Josephus and a few other historians, <laughs> the Christians were so angry. They would do things like burn up buildings and tear up stuff. Do 
because they were following Jesus and they knew what was happening to them in that Roman Empire was not what Jesus wanted. So, I mean, I guess they were rioting because they followed Jesus and they were, you know, burning up banks and tearing up things and going after the wealthy because they were causing, you know, other people to starve and die in the streets. They were doing all of those things. I guess today that's what we would call a riot. That's what the Christians were doing to get justice. It is documented. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. It's documented. They refused to give in to any idea that God was not for them and that God didn't want justice and peace to reign supreme in their time. Today, today we are arrested by so many, so many different things in life. We are still dealing with COVID. We are still dealing with racial tensions. We're still dealing with a crisis at the border. We're still dealing with inflation and high interest rates. We're still dealing with people losing jobs. And then to top all of that off, I don't know, maybe you're like me, but you got relatives that's losing their mind. You got you losing your mind. You sick of people, sick of dealing with people, sick of seeing people. I don't know about you, but I, some days I'm just like, well, during the quarantine, I was happy at home by my damn self. Sorry, kids. I got to stop. I am so sorry, children. Don't you, don't you go to school and say that. None of y'all go to school and say that. Bad word. Bad mouth. There is so much, so much on us, so much that we have to deal with. And it, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just keeping all of our attention. William, I don't know if you remember. Remember, uh, you, you, you were in the Marines, but I remember in the, in the Navy. Are there any more veterans in the house? Any other veterans in the house? Woohoo! Thank you, veterans. Thank you, veterans. Thank you, veterans. I remember in the Navy when an officer would enter a room, they would say, Attention on deck, or ten hut, and you'd have to. And the mean ones would just leave you there and not say anything. Just leave you there. But the good ones, when they say attention, you'd stand at attention. And I like when they would just leave you alone and say, at ease. Or they'd leave you alone and say, Carry on. <laughs> Life right now have put some of y'all at attention. You are standing at attention behind your cancer diagnosis. You are standing at attention behind the loss of your relationship. You are standing at attention because of your health. You're standing at attention because of your finances. You're standing at attention because of what the church said to you and did to you. You're standing at attention because so-and-so is a racist. You're standing at attention because life is just going crazy and whack and there's a whole lot of chaos. You are standing at attention and if my memory is correct, if you stand at attention for too long, you will begin to
you're going to have to carry on. At some point, you're going to have to let it go and move on. You can't stay standing at attention all of your life. The diagnosis is going to be there. The problems are going to be there. The family issues are going to be there. The problems will always persist. But if we declare that Jesus is Lord, we ought to be able to carry on. We shouldn't have to stay stuck in a situation when we believe Jesus lives and Jesus is Lord. There is nothing, there is nothing from A to Z that should hold us down or keep us back. The song said, ain't no grave gonna hold his body down. Ain't no trouble, ain't no issues, ain't nothing in all of this life supposed to hold us down. Not a thing from A to Z. There's an answer for your anxiety. There's better for your bitterness. There is calm for your chaos. There is delight for your dower. There is energy for your exhaustion. There is fun for your fear. There is good for your grief. There is help for your hell. There is innovation on the other side of your ignorance. There is joy for your journey. There is keen insight coming for what's killing you. There is love for your longing. There is marvelous after the madness. There is nurturing after the negative. There will be opportunity after the obfuscation. There is prosperity after you purge. Maybe it's time to stop focusing on the quantities and start focusing on qualities. You will find rest from the relentless, rabbit, rancid, raucous, rapacious, ravaging rabble. There is serene and sweet after the scurrilous and scandalous. Taco Tuesday always comes after Treacherous Thursday. You may have been, you may have been usurped, undermined, and unhinged. But in the words of Cardi B, if it's up, then it's up, then it's up, and it's stuck. You'll have victory after they thought you were vanquished. The wonderful will come after your wandering. You are from Xanadu, so you cannot be Xeroxed. You can get your YOLO only when you stop letting folks yank your chain. Your zigzagging in life is about to zing you into Zion. Somebody ought to be on their feet getting ready to give God the praise for he is Lord in everything that he's done, how he's delivered you, how he's healed you, how he set you free, how he broke you out of that marriage, how he got you out of trouble, how he delivered you from all of your pain. From A to Z, Jesus is still Lord. Ain't no point in sitting down because you know every Easter sermon has the end the same way. If you good, if you good church people, you know every Easter sermon got to end the same way. You might as well just go on and get on your feet. Let's not fake it. Everybody stand up. 
Time to take it home. Every Easter sermon ends the same way. Y'all ready? I didn't hook something up this year. Let's see if it goes the way I think it's going to go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. There was a man <laughs> from Galilee. There was a man from Galilee. His life set me free. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Just because they put him down in the ground. They hung him high and stretched him wide. Many of his followers thought that he had lied. But Mary, oh Mary, she found her way to the tomb. <laughs> Something nefarious she thought had loomed. She was grieving and believing. But then early, 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 somebody say early, somebody say early, somebody say early, early Sunday morning, he got up, he got up. Justice power, hope power, love power, peace power, joy power. Early Sunday morning, he got on up. And because he lives, because he lives, because he lives, we can live also. Let the church say amen. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. This same power, this same power, this same power is available to us now, today. We are people of the resurrection. You may be seated now. We are people of the resurrection. People of the resurrection. And I don't know about you, but life has a way causing so much harm, disruption of so much peace. But I encourage you, I encourage you to remember who you are and to remember who you follow. Don't just spiritualize. Don't just spiritualize the resurrection. Don't just spiritualize it. Remember the proclamation that Jesus is Lord and that he lives is hope for all of us. No matter what the enemy brings against us, we will be victorious. Amen? Amen. Happy Easter.